on the just baseball show and there is an episode on july 4th because we record the day before so we're recording yes. on the third we will be taking the fifth off because that means we would be recording on the fourth and frankly we kind of want to start drinking at noon right yeah that's chill and cool right <laughs> no, man, awesome. we, need it. we need the relaxing american patriotic day because this country is just perfect yeah so what we do is we just we just chill and you drink and you don't work and you relax are we actually going to do that? No, I don't think so. I'm probably just going to watch baseball, but we are not going to release a podcast. No, we aren't. We aren't. We are releasing one today, though, and happy 4th of July to everybody. Uh, does it? What, what day does it normally fall on? It doesn't normally fall on. like It's it's a different day every year, right? It's always on July 4th. Yeah, yeah but I mean like day of the week. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like Christmas or New Year's, dude. Like It doesn't matter. It changes all the time. It's well, just Monday, I feel like, is an ideal day for the 4th of July. You're pulling a Peter right now. You're pulling well, a Peter. How am I pulling why, up Peter? Why don't we call Indiana the Middle East? No, no, no. That that <laughs> was that, I don't put me in that bucket. My my question is this: like, what day would be the best day for Fourth of July? I feel like Monday is an underrated day. You stretch out the weekend. If it's Saturday, do you usually get the Monday off of work? I don't know. I work in baseball, so Fourth of July is never off. Fourth of July, I'm going to a ballpark. Yeah, Fourth of July uh, in baseball is never off, and it shouldn't yeah. be. No, I mean, it's like, it's a celebration. It's everybody else's, you know, off refuge. Um, what percent of, of big league or, or minor league ballparks do you think have fireworks going on? Well, I know it's Monday's a universal off day, but 100. I saw a lot, of, a lot of teams have games on Monday, right? Like no one uses the everybody. The universal off day is shifting to Tuesday this week. So pretty much every minor league team has. See, uh, th there's my point. Fourth of July literally changes the universal off day for the yeah. minor leagues for baseball because baseball and fourth of July are so synonymous. So the way it worked, right, it's baseball, hot dogs, beer and fireworks. That's mm -hmm. exactly what the fourth of July is. And we cover one of those four things. Uh, but chances are we will be covering all four of those things. I want to start breaking down fireworks a little bit. I'm in. Yeah, the, <laughs> the fizzy ones. Um, no. <laughs> But I mean, the uh, yeah, I think every minor league team, they were either home tonight. So Sunday, the third, they played a Sunday night game or they're home on Monday, the fourth. Makes sense. So the Indians were just in Nashville. They were playing Nashville on Sunday night. They come back and they play the Iowa Cubs tonight uh, for the fourth of July. And then they have the off day Tuesday and then they have the remaining five games against Iowa through that week. But that's not what we're talking about. We're going to do 30 teams in 20 minutes. We're going to talk about our guest on the call-up, Michael Stefanik, making his yeah. Major League debut and how he went to hell and back to get to the Major League. So we will talk a little bit about that. Um, we're also going to mention Shane McClanahan's dominance because, of course, we are. We're going to talk about Peacock's broadcast a little bit because that was very odd. No really? booth. No. Oh, yeah. I didn't tune in for one second. So this is all you. Um, yeah. I'll be your sounding board. I, I really did not have any interest in tuning into that. I probably should have checked it out. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I didn't. So I didn't. Here, here's the thing. It can be a bit misleading because I saw some some Twitter accounts put out like 
clips of batted balls. Like it's a 40 second clip and it's a compilation of different balls in play and there's no commentary. And, you know, they said, I, I kind of like this. It's relaxing. It feels like you're at the ballpark. It's fine watching a 40 second clip on Twitter. Correct. Try watching two innings. No, it's unbearable. Cause if you didn't want to hear a commentary team, you go to the game. Um, I also, do you remember pre 2020 when it might've honestly been pre 2019, it might've stopped in 2018 when MLB TV had the TV feed, the radio feed and park feed. Every game on MLB TV allowed you to just listen to the park sounds and no uh, commentary overlay. I like that it's an on-off thing, but if I'm watching a game on TV, especially a nationally televised game on TV, I want background. I want insight. I don't, I don't want to just like yeah, sit there and watch a silent game. Especially on national TV, like you're saying, because, you know, generally speaking on national TV, I, I, I know a good deal about the team, but there might be a little bit that I might not know. You know, what's going on with this player? What's going on with this guy? You know, how's, he, how's his recovery looking like? Things like that I would like to know about. Uh, you know, just discussions that they had with players before the game. It's usually national media, so they're having conversations with players that – you know, maybe haven't been had in a little bit and maybe some things that local reporters didn't really get to. And like, that's what I like about the bigger national broadcast. Sometimes they hit different angles that you're not used to. Um, it, it reminds me of, you know, NBA, sometimes I accidentally put on like the above the rim. Have you ever seen yeah. that? It's the worst thing ever. It's, it's awful. I have no interest in watching it. And I'll put it on for like two minutes as a joke just to see what's going on. And no one watches that. It's almost like the extra cameras. They try to make it a feed. No one cares. I, I feel like this is not going to work. I didn't watch it, but if you're saying you didn't enjoy it and based on what I could basically assume, assume. was the setup, I, I would rather have discussion. I like more of the podcast setup. Obviously, we're biased, but like if you want to be informal and be a bit different, maybe have it be more of an active podcast type of The vibe. Manning cast. Yeah, do that. And I know they're going to say, oh, we have the A-Rod one or what's it called again? K-Rod, yeah. Like which spot? We, get better people. That. Just get better yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that's the right idea. Uh, but I'm 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 out on on K Rod. <laughs> but yeah. that that's the right idea. And I don't want to be the guy that just like complains about broadcast because I actually think they've they're doing a good job in a lot of areas. I love like we talked about the the setup that they have with Peacock, where you have the the uh, like you've pointed this out a few times. Yeah, you're already doing something unique. Just keep on doing it. It's so Benetti, have- right? It's Benetti, and then the local reporter from each team or the yep. local color guy from each team. Yeah, great setup. So why take got- that away? I have no idea why you take that away, but it was awesome. The first one was White Sox, Red Sox, and you know Benetti is the centralized play-by-play guy. Jason Benetti will do play-by-play for every NBC Peacock game, um, and he was flanked in White Sox, Red Sox by Steve Stone, who's the color analyst for the White Sox, and Kevin Euclid, who's starting to do some work with Nesson now. So, like, that's great because a Red Sox question, defer to Euke. A White Sox question, defer to Stoney. There we go. Problem solved. I love it. Uh, I don't love not having people there. But, again, I am biased because I'm out of a job. If, if yeah, that's so I'm saying they're, they're just eliminating your job. Yeah, that's they're, okay. It's basically become the equivalent of, like, the, uh, the self-checkout. I, yeah, so I already knew that I was expendable as a person. Um, yes. Now I know that I'm vocationally expendable. Exactly. So that's my problem. And don't try being a bag boy because self-checkout's also just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's brutal. When I see an empty uh, like cashier at like Whole Foods or something like that, I go to them. I want that person-to-person interaction. I want them to know that I see them 
and I sympathize with them. They probably want don't want you there, job. dude. They get paid hourly. You're not doing them a favor. Get off your high horse. You, All you're, right. you're making them do more work. They're still getting paid. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Pedro Severino reinstated from the restricted list. He just served his 80-game suspension for testing positive per, for a uh, performance enhancer. He was just activated by the Brewers. Listen, they've got Omar Narvaez and Victor Caratini already, but we're not going to talk about where Pedro Severino slots in for the Brewers. Doesn't really matter. We want to talk about what he tested positive for. Yeah. Well, it's funny because usually it's like a a, a 70, like uh, what would be like 70 letter word with that just looks like somebody like smashed their keyboard. It's it's a sciencey word for something that you can get at GNC. That's just a banned substance in baseball. Typically. Yeah. This one is a little different. It sounds more like a disease. It's clomiphene. And I want to read you uh, what clomiphene does. Clomiphene, straight from Google. But what is, what is the drug known as? It's clomid. 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 Um, clomiphene is the scientific word. Clomid is, is shorthand. Quote, clomiphene is used to induce ovulation in women who do not produce ova, but wish to become pregnant. Um, Clomiphene is in a class of medications called ovulatory stimulants. It works similarly to estrogen, a female hormone that causes eggs to develop in the ovaries and be released. So what it does, another thing, um, how does clomiphene help you get pregnant? It's an oral medication that is often used to treat certain types of female infertility. Clomid works by making the body think that your estrogen levels are lower than they are, which causes the pituitary gland to increase secretion of follicle stimulating hormone, uh, which is FSH and uh, something else called LH. So it is primarily used to trick your body into producing, I guess, a little bit more of, you know, your reproduction hormone in women. It can also be used in um, indirect instances to boost testosterone levels. Pedro Severino said that he and his wife were trying to start a family and he started taking it. I feel like he was just trying to pump his testosterone a little bit. Yeah, does that really? Isn't it said to only really help women with with? I thought fertility? I thought women were supposed to take it to to spell infertility, but I guess he was taking it to try and spell infertility. And I I have no idea how often it's used in men. We could be out of bounds here, but um, I saw um, that he tested positive for that substance, and I immediately had to Google and I said, "Oh, this it is, is not, interesting. It is not approved by the FDA for use by men for any condition." <laughs> But can alter alter testosterone levels, bro. There's a lot of things that can alter your testosterone levels that haven't been approved by the FDA. I, th- that is the craziest thing I've I've seen in a while. And maybe there's some other funny like drugs that you could like make this joke about that players have used through the years. But anytime you see some guy using a <laughs> like an estrogen a fertility aid yeah. to, to gain an advantage, I, I mean. I, so baseball is the gift that keeps giving. <laughs> I mean, I remember Ryan Braun testing positive and he said he was like, it wasn't Viagra, but it was something else to treat ED. And he said that, you know, he tested positive because of his ED medication. And I mean, like, dude, you're just trying to gain a competitive advantage. Come on yeah, now. Yeah. Like, well, I, I, well, first of all, I mean, like I, I just Ryan Braun, when you get to the point when you're backed into a corner where it's like, okay, I either have to admit to cheating or admit that I, I can't Heavy perform D. in bed. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, well, pick your poison. And uh, these guys are willing to just, just 
say that they've got ED at age 28. <laughs> it's not believable. Bron got a dude fired. At least Severino just went with them. Just trying to get my wife pregnant. We're both taking it. And if she had to take it, I figured I'll take it too. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a husband right there. That's a good guy. move. That's actually. a good husband right there. He's just trying to look out for his wife, make her feel comfortable. So he took it too. Um, his his quote unquote rehab assignment took him through Biloxi and Nashville, which we now know are both hotbeds. Biloxi is, uh, is great. He can have a night at the Beau Rivage and then Nashville is Nashville. Well, I thought his rehab assignment would just be like detox. Just like, (laughs) like, dude, you're, you're lucky that you didn't have a weird body reaction to this. Just stop taking women's medication. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Serious note. Now, Michael Stefanik just made his major league debut yesterday. He unfortunately didn't perform well. He went over three with three punch outs, but that's beside the point because this guy should not be in major league baseball. The stars were aligned for him not to be in major league baseball. And I typically side on the idea that talent is always going to beat hard work because I don't think the majority of people on planet earth understand the kind of work that Michael Stefanik put in to making his major league debut. I don't think anybody runs like that. I don't think anybody functions like that, but Michael Stefanik is the outlier. Walk me through his timeline one more time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And I, I encourage anybody to, to listen to this interview uh, on the call up. And then we also actually put the interview out on, on the just baseball show as well. Uh, but Michael Stefanik, it's funny, like he shouldn't be in the big leagues, but he needs to be in the big leagues right now for the Angels, and he's earned his way. He's a legitimate big leaguer. And when you say he shouldn't be in, it's just because every single thing has been stacked against this guy. It's because anybody else would have given up. 100%. And and he's good enough, and I think he's going to carve out a good baseball career, a good big league career for himself. And, I mean, the story is unbelievable. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he, he doesn't jump off the page with anything, you know, physicality-wise. He's 5'10", listed at 180, but I mean, he even said he put on muscle recently. He was closer to 160 for a while. He's not a plus runner. He doesn't have big power. Doesn't really have a tool that you get excited about. And even out of high school, wasn't recruited. He walked on to Westmont College, an NAIA school in California, walked on, earned a starting job, played all four years, doesn't get drafted, like doesn't get any looks, doesn't get signed as a 392 his senior year. Mashed, but doesn't get drafted. And just sends video and emails every single team in the major leagues reps from every team, just saying, Hey, give me one chance. Nobody answered except for the angels who needed a body. They literally said, Hey, do you want to be an extra man for a week in the AZL? We need a reserve. He goes down there, he gets an opportunity and he never stopped hitting and he has not stopped hitting ever since. And now this guy mashing all his way up, from single A to high A to double to triple and raking this year now hit his way up to a big league debut. And you know what? The angels really need some infielders who can put up an OPS over 500. And I think Michael Stefanik has the ability to do it. The the corresponding move was DFAing Tyler Wade and Stefanik. Not only is he a better story than Tyler Wade, but he's also an incredible bat to ball player and over three or three punch outs is, you know, totally unique. And Framber Valdez was just on top of his game. Yeah. Today. I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I would almost venture to say he hasn't struck out three times in his professional career. And if he has, I don't have it in front of me. I'd bet it, it's, it's less than two times in his entire professional career. 46 games with AAA Salt Lake this year prior to the call up. 46 games, 210 plate appearances, 12 strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't be worried about it. This is a guy that had to get thrown into a Framber Valdez, you know, start. 
I'm sure he had some nerves. I can't imagine how surreal uh, this call up was for him. But you know, the interesting thing with Stefanik is, you know, he he talked about this on the podcast. And uh, the question for him and, and why he wasn't protected from the rule five was the defense. Or like, ah, he's not great defensively, whatever. He worked his butt off, of course, all, yeah, of course. all off season long to improve his defense, improve his speed, improve his footwork. And he feels like he's gotten a lot better, improve his arm as well. So he can play third. He can play second, third. He even has filled in at short this year at times. I think he can play corner outfit if you need him to. But even Madden said before he got fired, Joe Madden said, I, I don't understand why people have questions about this dude's defense. And I know Stefanik really appreciated that. He brought it up on the podcast and he takes a lot of pride in it. And, and I think, yeah, he's not going to be as athletic as Tyler Wade. And I think that was part of the reason why the angels wanted to ride it out a little bit, but I think they're in a spot now where they need to look at it and say, Hey, maybe we give up a little bit on the defensive side of things so that we can get a player that can set the table, David Fletcher style that we're missing right now. Wade's not going to get on base at a good clip. Michael Stefanik will, and, and I'm expecting him to get going. Here's the thing. It takes a very special bat to ball player to carve out a big league role in a bat to ball situation. Nick Madrigal has done it. David Fletcher has done it. Uh, Stephen Kwan is doing it right now. But aside from that, it's Michael Stefanik. Like, that's the guy. And he's going to be on a very, very short list of people that make it. And, and speaking to the Tyler Wade point, so many teams are willing to ride it out because tools are unique. They are given to the athletically gifted. Gifted. Michael Stefanik is not athletically gifted. What he is gifted with is a work ethic that is unmatched in sports. And an attitude that is incredible. I, you talk about the work ethic 100%. What also amazes me is, like, I can promise you Stefanik after this game, big league debut, biggest day, maybe one of the biggest days of his life, over three three Ks. I bet you he's, he's already compartmentalized it and he's ready to go like that. That's the, what I got from this guy, you know, when we were talking and, and he just is, has such a positive attitude. It's like, he's playing with house's money. And I mean, Jack through 291 minor league games in his career. And this is across from rookie ball all the way to triple a and a good sample size in triple a he's a three fourteen three ninety one four twenty seven hitter. This guy is a really gifted hitter with some of the best contact rates in baseball. If he can just tap into a little bit of gap to gap power, he can be a nice addition. And not to mention, I like the addition that the angels made to go get Jonathan VR, not a huge Jonathan VR fan, but this is an upgrade from what they were rolling out there. Again, it's better than David McKinnon. Yeah. It's do something. And it's better because they did it. I mean, but but here at at the same time, they're starting Monte Harrison in the outfield. Yeah. But he did steal second base after being picked off by Framber and he threw Jose Altuve out at second base in the same game. And now he has his revenge game tomorrow or today, or it's either today or tomorrow for those listening against the Miami Marlins. You know, he's going yard, right? He's got to go yard. Um, I will guarantee it. It is not. No, uh, Miami is in DC today. So one more, one more day tomorrow. Ooh, tomorrow night is it's Otani Sandy. versus Sandy. It's yeah. Cindergarten Sandy. Oh, Cindergarten Sandy. Otani Rogers. Otani Rogers. Yeah, dude. And then uh, TBD, TBD for Marlins Mets the next day. Monte Harrison will go yard, and nothing ripped my soul out more than that three-run walk-off homer by Jorge Alfaro. I at least root for Alfaro to a degree. Monte Harrison. With, with a walk, or not a walk off because he's on the road, but with a big home run against the Marlins will actually hurt me inside. Damn. Deeply. 
Okay. Good to know. Let's go Monte Harrison. Um, what else we got to hit before 33, 30 teams in 20 minutes? Oh, uh, what else do we have? To oh, hit? McClanahan, Shane McClanahan, uh, just in Toronto put together seven innings, one run, 10 punch outs, one walk. He's insane, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, at what point, <laughs> at what point do we start talking about this guy is, you know, I know right now it's, it's similar to the Sandy situation, right? Like right now, those are the two best pitchers in baseball, but at what point are they proven to be like, okay, yeah, they are considered like proven to be a top five pitcher in baseball. I think both are getting right there. Um, which Sandy, is pretty awesome. Sandy's 26, McClanahan's 25. And granted last year was McClanahan's rookie year, but I mean, this guy, like what he's doing every single time he toes the rubber, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Seven innings, three hits, one run, 10 Ks, one walk. Last time out, that was against Pittsburgh. And I know Pittsburgh, seven innings, four hits, one run, 10 Ks, no walks. Against the Yankees, six innings, four hits, one run, eight Ks, one walk. I mean, it's every single time. It's clockwork with him right now. And it's amazing because, you know, he's really emerged you know we've seen him get better and better over the last you know two years roughly but this was not a guy that I know he was the 31st overall pick in the draft but he was not he wasn't much different than like Matthew Libertor in terms of the hype right like they're pretty similar in that regard and I almost yeah. feel like McClanahan was part of the reason why they felt okay with maybe parting with Libertor but I, I don't think anybody saw this kind of upside. I, I guarantee if you read any scouting report on him, you know, when he's coming out of USF university, South Florida, it's probably middle, like middle of the rotation, number three type of upside, more likely to be a back end, you know, back end yeah. starter. They struggle with command because he throws hard. Yes. And meanwhile, he's not walking anybody. As you mentioned, the stat lines, he's striking out everybody and he has a deep arsenal. That's what really stands out to me is, Dude. you know, I have it in front of me because I, I love watching him pitch in terms of like just seeing what he's going to go to when, because also, he can attack you in so many different ways. And how about the tilt that he gets just in the delivery itself, seeing his tilt, seeing the way that he contorts his body and like actually gets the most out of his curveball. His curveball oh, yeah. is my favorite thing to watch because of how he rips his glove hand down and he's got that overhead delivery. I mean, he actually looks like he's turning the shit out of that curveball and he well, snaps it off. And I mean, dude, power curveballs are really like making waves through baseball. Now we know the slider is a good pitch, but instead of the slower loopy curveball, the 81 to 83 mile per hour curveball, which is easier said than done. If you can throw that thing, that right now is looking like the best out pitch. And I mean, you talk about the tilt, you, the way he snaps it with the fastball also riding off of it, but also he's phased the slider out a little bit. But what I love is that he still has the raised slider, that horizontal break. Yeah. And he mixes in the changeup as well. He can give you so many different looks, and that's why he's going deep in games. It's a split change. Yeah. Have you seen his grip? Rob Freeman put out his grip. Uh, it was either in Toronto or the start before against Pittsburgh. It's a split change. Uh, there wasn't it bad against Lourdes Goriel Jr., where Shane McClanahan went split change, low and away, three times out of the strike zone, and Goriel. Annoying. I mean, or no, it was the second guy. Goriel, he went first pitch hammer curveball 01 hammer curveball next pitch left-handed batter's box and Guriel is lunging at it and then he struck out Matt Chapman on three straight split changes he is gross and I don't really see him slowing down I mean like you talk about those the the, the at-bats that you see you know just just how uncomfortable guys look 
I mean, people are guessing up there. If they if they hit a home run, it's almost like, or you get a hit off of McClanahan, it's almost just like you sold out for a pitch and you got lucky and timed it up. His fastball is a 28% whiff rate. His curveball is a 33% whiff rate. His changeup has a 46% whiff rate, and his slider has a 46% whiff rate. I mean, you, you don't really have a prayer. You have to hope that you can just jump on the fastball or he maybe hangs one curveball, and that's it. Like That's the only way you can beat Shane McClanahan right now. You got to make a decision right now. Best pitcher on planet Earth at the moment. Who is it? Oh, that's so tough, man. Um, right now, it's between McClanahan and, and Sandy. It's just it's it's two different beasts here because I think McClanahan will give you the most dynamite six innings you can you can get right like but I think Sandy's he's gonna, gonna give you, more, you nine. Yeah. Sandy's gonna give you nine, and, and it that's the difference. I mean, like. If you have an elite bullpen, sure, I'll take the seven innings of one run ball, whereas Sandy might go nine innings, two, three runs. I, I, I lean Sandy just because he's doing something that we've never done, and I'm also a biased fuck. But <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong. And, and I'm just I'm going to lean on the, on the unicorn doing things that we thought we wouldn't see anymore. You yeah. know, that's that's why I'm going to lean Sandy. But if you told me I'm a biased piece of shit, that's totally fine, and I would agree with you. I feel like I would be biased towards McClanahan just because of like what he does and how effectively he does it. But I'm, I'm actually going with Sandy because he goes nine all the time. You're an athlete. You've got the gallon water that you're taking yeah, straight you know, to the face. I got the gallon water. You know, it, it makes, it gives off the image, you know, so I'll walk around in the street with the big gallon jug. Yeah. Those watching on YouTube can see you it. play football. Yeah. Well, so people always assume I'm coming from the gym um, yeah. and I don't even have a membership. Uh, but, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I got the jug, oh, that guy must be coming from the gym. He worked out. I'm sweating my butt off, but it's really just because I'm walking. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like that's 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 the look I want to give. Perceived. Yeah. Perceived hotness. X hotness mm. through the roof, through the roof. But yeah. I'm secretly not doing anything. I also wanted to talk real quick before we get into teams or we could use it as our Mets minute. Uh, but. I watched Jacob DeGrom's rehab start because there's nothing funnier to me than when Jacob DeGrom terrorizes kids. Um, and I actually think he is honestly like he's kind of an asshole for, for doing that. Um, terrorizing low A hitters in his rehab assignment. Dude, just go to triple or something like that. I, I understand that it's closer. It's in South Florida, whatever. I understand that the Marlins play the Mets. I understand. But it's just not nice. Like he's just carving dudes up. He looked, no one has a prayer. Dude, and like moon landing quality broadcast. That was so fun to watch. I, was, I was hoping we'd get Khalil Watson versus him. Oh. Uh, but Khalil continues to get benched. Um, I don't think he's played now in, in three or four days. And there's a uh, belief that it's something he said or did during the game. It's like the third or fourth time he's been yanked out and benched this season. He's got some maturing to do on the field. Super talented guy, but I was hoping to see the uh, Khalil Watson versus Degrom because if he cheated and caught a fastball, we're oh. gonna. We're, I was gonna do the side by side of Isan Diaz hitting homering off of Degrom, yeah. And Khalil Watson homering off of Degrom, and that would have been fantastic. But that jokes aside, Degrom was up to 101. Slider was 93, 94. It looks like he's good to go. It, it was looks gross. like they were they were waiting as long, you know, really making sure he was healthy. And he, I, I would venture to say that Degrom could probably have come back two, three weeks ago. He probably but feels great. He probably feels the best he's felt, maybe you know, since he started last year. Because I really do feel like after the, all of these repeat, you know, little flare ups, they said let's let's give this a few extra weeks. 
I bet he's been ready for a little bit because he went out there and I mean, it was typical to Grom 101, 199, 99, 100. And then that slider, which was the big thing I was looking at, right? Like if you're feeling a little bit iffy body wise, how are you snapping that slider? And he was snapping the shit out of it at yeah. uh, 92 to 95, kind of ranging all around there. If he's good, if he's good to go, are you limiting his innings? Yes. What does that look like? Five, five innings and just let him dominate. If for his first five starts, five innings cap. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what it looks like because even five innings of DeGrom is going to be just such a pleasure to see again. And, and hell, I mean, I know that the Mets will take that in two seconds. Anybody would, yeah. uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him back on the bump. And I, I expect it to probably be in the next week or so. I, I would, I would guess after how he just looked, didn't seem like there was much of a ramping up process there. Well, and Max on Tuesday, right? Um, yeah, I think Max on Tuesday, Scherzer and Lodolo in Cincinnati. Huh, that'll be fun. That'll be kind of fun. Double, double return from injury kind of situation. There. Yeah, 100%. All right, 30 teams, 20 minutes. You ready? I've got the stopwatch. Okay. Uh, starting in the AL East, finishing in the NL West. Three, two, one, we're going. The Yankees obliterated the Guardians in a doubleheader. That was misleading because Kirk McCarty and Aaron Savali got starts, but the Yankees did just make the Guardians their bitch. Yes, but then Tristan McKenzie bounced back and looked pretty darn good. I, yes. I Here's the thing. I mean, the, the Yankees are on a different level than the Guardians in terms of star power and things like that. But if you're playing a three-game set uh, and, and you you know have days off, the Guardians can stack up there with anybody when they can pick who they want to start on the mound. And I, I know we've talked about they need to go get an arm or two – or go get a bat or two, excuse me. And hopefully those series will kind of remind the Guardians they're close, but they need a little bit more. Yeah. Boston is now second in the AL East. I feel like that's all I have to say. Boston's second in the AL East. They're here. The talent finally shining through. Jaron Duran. I really do believe in the adjustments he's made. I've talked about it a little bit earlier in the year. Guys made some simplifications to his swing. He looks like a Jacoby Ellsbury light. I really like what I'm seeing from him. I would love to see them go with a different option at first base, but you know what? They're winning ball games. Like you said, they're pitching well. Connor Siebold, even giving them a decent yeah. outing. Uh, but I mean, Tanner Howe kind of settling into more of that back end reliever role. It seems like this team's kind of figuring out its identity a little bit, which was my big concern going into the year. I'm interested to see what they're going to do with the deadline. What do they feel like they need? Who are they going to go get? Because they don't have that many pieces to trade. It's very polarizing. You're not trading Brian Bayo. You're not trading Tristan Casas. And then after that, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. So it should be interesting. And you're not trading Nick York. Is Bayo the deadline move? bringing him up yeah i think so and i think he's ready i just watched his last outing in triple a again he looks dynamite that guy could be a middle of the rotation arm for them this year uh toronto has lost three in a row they're 14 back of the yankees this is not the blue jays that we were expecting hopefully gosman's okay he got a uh, ankle contusion on saturday yeah i expect him to be fine right an ankle contusion sounds like you know he's just couldn't pitch at that game. Bruise, yeah. he'll, he'll return by the other time around around the rotation, maybe misses one turnaround. Gosman's not the issue. Uh, the issue is just about everybody else in the rotation. The Jays are still, what, eight games over 500. So I, we should be nervous. They've lost three in a row, like you said, four and six in the last 10. But they need to do something now. I, I don't even know if they can wait till the deadline. Yeah. They need to go get a starting pitcher. I'm not saying they need the best pitcher in the world, but they need to go get a starting pitcher now before it gets too late because if they wait till the deadline they could get to 500 or below it before you know it i could see a skid on the way and hopefully they find a way to try to break that up i just don't know how they can do it on such short notice 
Yeah. The three in a row they lost were at home to Tampa. Tampa is fourth in the AL East. Pro, seeing Shane Boz's name every fifth day is comforting for, I think, everybody. And obviously, McClanahan's great. Con, the offense still needs to figure it out, man. I mean, they're just not firing here. And I'm starting to get concerned about Wander Franco. He went a very long time without supplying serious batted ball damage. Yeah. Well, you know, the guy was hurt, makes the return, starting to look good again. I mean, just even having him back in the lineup is, is big news. And I think that's that's the biggest thing for them is just having Wander Franco back, period. Even though he has not been, you know, the guy that we were hoping to be in year two and kind of take it up to the next level yet, even a 750 OPS Wander Franco is a big, big get for them because we know how bad they've been offensively. That's a team, that's a way easier situation in my mind. You can go get an expiring bat, go get a Josh Bell, go get a Ben Attendee. You can go get somebody for very cheap. Similar to the Nelson Cruz move for them last year. I expect them to do same, the same thing this year. And we're going to look, and I think the Rays are in a better situation than the Jays. What do you think? Uh, I think that move. Mm. Oh, God. I'm going to say Toronto is in a better situation. It's so different and really interesting. And I think we could almost spend a whole podcast on that specifically. The reason why I say Rays is it's way easier to get expiring bats and the pitching is only going to get stronger and stronger, especially with Shane Boz back. And, and you know, you're getting, hand. and you know, you're getting a 900 OPS from Vidal Brujan from this point forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's gotta be the trade chip that goes and gets you uh, somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, Toronto is currently eight games under 500. Can we comfortably say that, or not Toronto, Baltimore is currently eight games under 500. Can we convincingly say that Baltimore is going to be at least a 70 win team this year? Yeah, I, I, the only thing that makes me nervous is, you know, if an arm or two goes down, it, yeah. it's, we're back to that old Baltimore pitching situation. Uh, Tyler Wells is obviously coming up big and helping them big time. And uh, I, I think they are, though. That offense is fantastic, and it's only getting better. Adley's starting to swing it better. Mount Castle, as we've talked about, continues yeah. to get hotter and hotter. It's a really fun team offensively, and I think they'll hit enough to get to 70. Best division in baseball in exactly five minutes. We're on a roll right now. AL Central, worst division in baseball. Going to fly through this. Minnesota, 45 and 37. They're six and four in their last 10. What do you take away from Minnesota? I've got no clue. I, I like them, man. I, I'm always going to like them, but this is kind of what we expected, right? Like the high-end situation here, right? Eight games over 500. You're kind of hoping that they can you know, edge out whoever else is hanging around there. You know, the division's going to be weak, beat up on the bad teams, hang around. And it's going to be a showdown, I think, to the final final week between them and the Guardians. But again, this is where I think certain teams are going to be either surprisingly dormant or surprisingly aggressive. I'm interested to see where the Twins are going to stack up there. But Luis Arai is just not showing any signs of slowing down. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and, and Byron Buxton doing Byron Buxton things again. Uh, I would hope that if the Twins or the Guardians were going to be surprisingly aggressive, it would be Cleveland. They're four games over 500. They're two games back in Minnesota. Tristan McKenzie looked great. I don't think you need to add pitching. Bats, bats, <laughs> bats. Just do it. We talked about it on the last episode, man. I mean, so much talent in the farm system. And the guys that they don't even have room for. I know they just brought up Gabriel Arias again. That's a guy that could be on the move. I mean, just just go get some more big league impacts. You have so many prospects. You're not going to feel it. You're, you're going to be fine. And Trade now they've got some more infielder. money. 
trade a middle infielder for a corner outfielder. Let's call this a day, man. Yeah, Come on. Get, get Ramirez some protection, please. Yes, 100%. Hopefully a power bat, too, although the Franimal is starting to turn it on right now. That's a, a big bumps. X factor for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox, listen, they they cast this fishing, uh, like, what, what do you call that? The fishing uh, line? Rod. The rod is the thing. The line is what you cast out into the yeah, water. You cast the line. Yeah. The White Sox are are taking the slack out. They're reeling me right back in with a weekend sweep over San Francisco. Uh, 13 to four on Sunday. Giolito threw well. I don't know what's happening right now. They're a game under 500. I think, and we'll get to it when we get to the National League side of things. I think it's more of an indictment on the Giants than it is a positive on the White Sox. I hate to say it, buddy. There we go. That's fine. Detroit, 30 and 47. Not much to talk about except Riley Green's walk off. Dead center. That was awesome. He has arrived. I will, I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it right now. I think Riley's going to have a better career than Spencer Torkelson. Hey, that's why we had him ahead of Spencer Torkelson on our just baseball top 100 prospect list. But uh, Torkelson's starting to heat up a little bit too. He homered in that series. And, uh, Every time I think Torque's going to just catch fire, he doesn't quite, but maybe having Riley Green in the fold and, and you know, not being the focus of the young phenom by himself kind of there, maybe yeah. that'll help. Uh, but Riley Green is just a more well-rounded player. We've seen him make the circus catches. Now we're seeing how much power he really has in there. And he's, he's got an a advanced lot of hitter. He's got this a lot is, of pop. This is a team that's going to be fun. Uh, and Riley Green is kind of making them a little bit more fun now. Yeah, Kansas City, uh, 29 and 48. Vinny P's up. That's all that matters with them. Brady Singer actually was shoving on Sunday morning. Dude, he keeps showing us flashes. And, and you know, the fastball and slider are good. It's, it's really about the third pitch. But if Brady Singer can just be even a middle of the rotation starter, that helps him a lot. What I'm more interested in is what do the Royals, uh, you know, what do the Royals get uh, in return for Andrew Benatendi and Michael A. Taylor? Michael A. Taylor, I did a dive yesterday I believe I trust a lot of what he is doing right now. Cool. Better swing decisions, zone contact 6% higher than it's ever been, walk rate higher than it's ever been. I believe Michael A. Taylor might have just turned himself into a, an above average center fielder. Uh, and, you know, I'd be willing to take a chance on that if I'm a team that needs a guy out there. Yes, I would if I'm the Marlins. Yes, I would if I'm the Phillies. Maybe his value could go up a little bit. Also has a year of control next year for four and a half million. But the way he's playing, that's a no-brainer bargain. Cool. That's a uh, that's an Easter egg for Royals fans. All right, AL West. We've got some ground to make up here. We spent too much time on the AL Central. Uh, Houston. Too much time on fishing rods. Yeah, I think so. Houston has won six in a row. They're eight and two in their last ten. They're fifty-one and twenty-seven. Uh, they are one of two teams in the American League with the Yankees with more than fifty wins. I think. Uh, with how the pitching is performing and with how Framber looks, I think if I had to choose one team to make it out of the American League, I'm going with Houston over New York. I, it's really close, man. We've talked about it, right? And it seems like every time we circle back, every time we record, we're a little bit closer to saying Houston's the best team in baseball. All I got to say is Jeremy freaking Payne. Oh, dude. That home, the guy rises to the big moment. He's getting better before our eyes. He's healthy. He's back. If that guy keeps getting better, and keeps progressing the way we think he can, which is an all-star caliber player, this team's in business by the end of the year. And it seems like they're just only getting better and better. Check out Seattle. They're seven and three in their last 10. I think Julio is the runaway AL rookie of the year right now, even though Jeremy Pena is playing really, really well. What Julio is doing is so much louder. Uh, and Robbie Ray just put together a good start. Damn it. Yeah. Is, is Robbie right back? <laughs> no, I hope not. <laughs> Julio Rodriguez, man. I mean, 
this guy is way more toolsy than anybody gave him credit for. And he's impacting the game in so many ways. It's been really fun to watch. I think you're right. He is the quote unquote runaway, but that is not because of Jeremy Pena. Uh, Jeremy, I think almost any other year, Jeremy Pena is the runaway. And that's a testament to how freakish Julio Rodriguez has been. Eliminate the first month of the season. And he's been one of the best players in baseball. Yeah. Like not rookie, like player in baseball. He's got 14 bombs. J-Rod has 14 bombs. And how many? 20 bags? 19 bags? I I think so. And playing good defense. Who would have thought? He's still the AL leader in bags, right? Birdie took over the big league lead, I saw. Yeah, of course he did. But yeah, yeah, yes, he is still the AL leader. Uh, Texas. I don't know what... How are they... I just watched them, actually. I just watched them. Cole Calhoun's going nuts. (laughs) I watched Cole Calhoun homer twice. Uh, I mean, Adolis Garcia's swinging it well. Uh, Martin Perez is all right. This is a team that I actually do think is heading obviously in the right direction. Spending half a billion does that, but Adolis Garcia is giving them some confidence that he can man center field for the foreseeable future. That's huge for them. Calhoun maybe could be a trade piece for them. I'm interested to see how they navigate the deadline though, because I would probably sell high on Martin Perez, but maybe they'll try to extend him and run it back next year. They're in a weird spot. Next month will be very interesting for the Rangers. We've got some ground to make up in the National League, so I'm going to take care of the Angels and the A's here. The Angels, yeah, you add VR. You, you add VR. Yeah, you add Stefanik. Um, yeah, you DFA Tyler Wade. Awesome. The A's, uh, National League, NL East. The Mets, 49 and 30. They're four and six in their last 10, though, but obviously DeGrom was great, uh, and Scherzer is back on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it's they're they're human, right? So I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, they get two of the best pitchers, not only in in baseball in the modern era. Back, this team's going to be just fine. Atlanta, forty six and thirty four. Here we go. The Braves are twelve games over. They're six and four in their last ten. Michael Harris with a tank down to their final out. Dude, I love I love Michael Harris. You know that. And uh, that piece we put out on JustBaseball.com, Braves fans really uh, showed out and supported it. So I, I know they're excited about him. The beautiful thing about Michael Harris is when he's not hitting, which we haven't seen what that looks like yet, elite defender in center field. This is a really well-rounded team that continues to just get better and better. And Matt Olson, as we talked about, don't let him get hot. Spencer Strider has great oh, yeah. value in NL Rookie of the Year. How about that? Who would have thought that this guy not only would turn into a legitimate big contributor pitcher for them this year, but how about a starter? And, and I mean, this is somebody that keeps getting better every outing. He's out there. Some of the best stuff in the big leagues. It's just about honing in on it and he's doing it. At this point, is he the rookie of the year? Still Gore? I mean, he's past Gore. Gore had a good deal. He had a good outing on Sunday, though. I think he's past Gore, though. It's a, it's a different level of domination. Yeah, uh, the Phillies, nice win on Sunday Night Baseball here. They they got to St. Louis. They got to Wayno. That's a good job by them. Dude, over the last about two, three weeks, their bullpen's been arguably the best in baseball. Who yeah. would have thought we'd say that about the Phillies? If they're going to survive without Harper, it's going to have to be like that. We asked who was going to kind of kick it in the next gear. Hoskins and Schwarber have kicked it into the next gear since Harper's gone down. Stay afloat, Phillies. Stay afloat as long as you can. Harper comes back. If you can be right in the hunt like you are, you'll be in good shape. He'll he'll take you across the finish line. We got six minutes. We got 12 teams. Miami, 37 and 40. They've won four in a row. Pablo Lopez looked really good. Sandy's obviously putting on a master class. How about the big bomb from GZS? Oh, my gosh. I mean, down to the last strike, he has not been great. Comes up big. They need that one. They needed that one. They're 10 and one against the nationals this season. Let's see them do it against teams above 500, but this keeps them afloat. Your bias. Should they buy or should they sell? Buy with control. 
Don't, yeah. don't sell out for a Ben attendee. Go get guys with multiple years of control. Help you now, help you in the future. Uh, Washington, 29 and 52. I, I just read a good piece on Josh Bell loving DC, but he's going to go. He's gone. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that Josh Bell loves DC. I'm happy for him. He's put things together. He's just playing too darn well. He's going to make himself a nice payday soon because of the year that he's having, and he's going to make a team pretty happy, a la Rays or Brewers. Five minutes, 10 seconds to get through two divisions. Milwaukee, 46 and 35, seven and three in their last 10. Brandon Woodruff, one walk in each of his last two outings. If Brandon Woodruff is showcasing control, the top two are back in that rotation. And if they're scoring runs, like they've been scoring runs, they're in business. What if I told you the Brewers are ninth in the big leagues in OPS? If that's where they can, if they can hang around even middle of the pack, this team is good. I still think they should add a bat or two. If they do that, they're, they're a really good dark horse this year. Do you think St. Louis is starting to deteriorate a little bit? Like they're old. They're kind of showing some of their age in spots. I, I do think that, you know, we saw, saw it behind the dish. I think it was just ill-advised to assume that Yadi Molina could catch behind, you know, for, for the whole season. And I don't think Yvonne Herrera is ready. There's some areas where they're showing their age, but they have a lot of youth too. I think they've got to figure out which of the youth players they trust. I don't know if Nolan Gorman's a guy they can trust every day, uh, but I do think that some of these other players can start getting some more run. They need to make a trade. It was talked about on the broadcast today, and I think they're going to do it. I'll take care of the Cubs here. 32 and 47. Seiya Suzuki is going to be activated from a rehab assignment today, it looks like. Marcus Stroman sucked in his first rehab assignment. That was bad, dude. HDMH. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, 32 and 47, three and seven in their last 10. They're running out of relievers. Cam View threw 50 pitches before recording it out. That is managerial assholery from Derek Shelton leaving him in. When you got guys like Andrew McCutcheon on the other team saying that this just wasn't right, it didn't feel right. I mean, that, that's all you need to know. Uh, they're running Bednar into the ground, but that's a different level of running your guy into the ground. That's running your guy into the ground mentally in yes. that outing. Not right, but... Pirates are playing decent ball, and they're a little bit more fun to watch, but I still think it's going to be a long year in Pittsburgh. Cincinnati, Lodolo back. There we go. Jonathan India back. Hopefully he can get going, but I'm more here to just watch their young pitchers go. Lodolo healthy. Can he stay healthy? That's the big question. Yes. So far, it's been a tough one for him to stay healthy this year, but he could be a big part of their future. Ashcraft too. Ashcraft, Hunter Green. Like I'm watching three games a, a week pretty much with the Reds. All right, three minutes. NL West, the Dodgers, six and four in their last 10, 20 games over 500. Uh, Freddie's playing well right now. Um, what are you taking from them at the moment? I mean, th- this is just what they're going to do, right? Even when they're not playing fantastic, they're still going to be six and four in their last 10. They're still going to be playing good ball. They're going to win a lot of the games they need to win. Trey Turner is going to start to get going. He already looks pretty good. Mookie Betts returns now. Uh, they're going to be fine. And, and they're going to get Dustin May back eventually. This team is just so good. San Diego's three and seven in their last 10 games. What do you make of that? I think it's just the season. You know, like three of those losses are against the Dodgers in LA. And then you also have two losses against a Phillies team that's been playing pretty well. I I think the Padres are a really good team. I think they're well-rounded. Some of those losses came with Machado, you know, out from what I thought was a, a broken leg. Thank goodness he's back. They'll be fine. But man, Tatis, when's he going to swing a bat? What's going on over there? I have no idea what's going on there. All right, we have a a minute and 50 seconds. Give me 30 seconds on the San Francisco Giants, maybe 45. They're two and eight in their last 10. They've lost four in a row. What the hell is going on? Is it too early to cash in my told you so? No, you can cash it in. 
Okay, I, I just don't like him, man. I, I just I don't think this team is anything close to what it was last year. You lose Buster Posey. We know what that does to you. Evan Longoria gets a year older. Brandon Crawford gets a year older. Wilmer Flores is being relied on like he's some sort of, you know, Star. legitimate you know, big part of your team. Darren Ruff isn't going to replicate what he did last year as much as that pains me to say. This is not a great team, and they're starting to see it now. I think they'll finish around 500, and, and we're starting to see it catch up to them. Arizona is back to being a mediocre team. There are still some fun people to watch, I guess. Occasionally, they tend to swing bats with Varsho and, and other guys. Uh, Colorado is also 35 and 44, but they've won two in a row. Shout out, Coors. Shout out, Coors. Shout out, Chris Bryant being back. That makes yes. them a little bit more watchable. Um, I mean, look, the Rockies are, are a team you don't really want to play at Coors at any time. And the D-backs are way better than we thought they would be, right? I mean, this team lost 120 games last year. So I'm, I'm here for the D-backs being nine under. A little bit less polarizing of a division makes it more fun. And time. Guess the time. I think we got it to the second, just about. 1925. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. So there was one thing I wanted to get to, and I figured we can save it as a topic separately, and I don't think that's cheating because it's about the A's. Okay. <laughs> but that was actually sick. That was Frankie kind of, that was Montes. Great. Frankie Montes. Yeah. He was pulled from his start. Yes. Shoulder discomfort. Velo was down. Probably more precautionary. It was more tightness than discomfort. Again, the the uh the word choices always can paint so many different pictures. So, but the, here's the reality. Not good, right? I don't think it's I don't know how bad it is, but it's obviously not good. This is a guy that's going to be or should be traded in the next three weeks. Yes. And would have brought back probably the biggest return on the trade market between him and Luis Castillo. And, and you could make the case that for the right team, Montes could have been worth more. Did the A's screw themselves by waiting so long to trade this guy? I, I'm not saying he's going to be done and miss time. He could be just fine. But if you're a team and you're about to give up a King's ransom for a guy, are you put off at all? By shoulder discomfort or tightness or whatever the hell it was. Um, I think, I think that Frankie Montas and Luis Castillo were going to get similar returns. Um, before this, if one of them was going to get a better return, it would have been Frankie Montas. I do think so. I think Frankie Montas so is a better this, pitcher. Let's say he comes back and he looks fine. It probably doesn't make a difference, right? If he comes I don't think back, it makes a difference. I, I still think Frankie could get a bigger return. But as, as of this very moment, if both of them were dealt tomorrow, I think Luis Castillo gets a bigger return than Frankie. So it, for the sake of devil's advocate here, let's say that he, he is banged up. He goes on the IL for 10 days precautionary. I think you just fucked yourself. Yeah, right? What were you waiting for? For the market to drive its, you know, drive the price up a little bit? I think so. I think you start it's to get into that deadline. It's a thin market regardless. Yeah. I, like, I know hindsight's 2020, but when it's a pitcher, I, I'm trading that dude, man. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking to trade him pretty early because we know how, how guys get hurt. Hopefully he's fine. It's not a big deal. But, I mean, that's your golden egg. Like, that is the, the guy that's going to get you the king's ransom so that you can continue to progress and, and you know, rebuild. Yeah. I, I, I really hope he's fine because that will really hurt the A's rebuild situation here. I, I think he is, but man, they, they, now they need him to pitch a couple of times to prove that he's fine before they trade him, yeah. uh, which is the interesting part. And there's teams that get turned off really quickly when it comes to shoulder stuff. 
I was reading about how Kumar Rocker, uh, some teams don't even see him as a top 30 to 40 pick. Other teams see him as a top 15 pick. It, when it comes to injuries, some teams are just totally put off and some teams are willing to take the risk. It'll be interesting to see who is. What was the deal with Kumar? I saw, I saw that they released the medical records. He had shoulder surgery. It he was had, a minor scope. It was a minor scope in his shoulder in September. And obviously he's maintaining velo. He looks great yeah. uh, at, at the moment in the, in the Frontier League. Yes. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I would look at him in the, in the compensation round, you know, like 30 to 40 range over slot yeah. him. Um, I, I just don't want to draft a, a big league or sorry, a college pitcher with several hundred innings under his belt and a guy who had a shoulder scope already at this point, you know, I think you could, I, I might eat that, you know, you, you might regret it. That's fine. That's just me being risk averse when it comes to drafting, you know, arms in the first round. Uh, so it should be interesting to see how that goes, but um, you know, we're going to have more draft coverage coming up and, and that's something we'll be covering on the call up soon too. But he is one of the most interesting cases we've seen in a while. I don't want to compare it because Brady Aiken wasn't doing this kind of thing, but Brady Aiken after he didn't sign, had some of the elbow issue, went to IMG pitched well, still was a middle first round pick and yeah. never looked the same. It'll be interesting to see how, how they decide to go about that. And if, you know, if history has any impact on it, but Kumar's proven to get outs at the frontier league, it, it's encouraging, but you kind of expect him to be able to do that. The VLO does look good, but can he hold that for a hundred innings? We don't know. And you won't know until after you sign him and throw him out there for a hundred innings. It's risky. So if you're the Cardinals, I'm looking 22, 23, 24. If you're the Cardinals at 22, the Jays at 23, the Red Sox at 24, all three of those teams could use an advanced starter. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, man. If you're the Cardinals, I, you're looking at Jack Flaherty and you're like, shit, I kind of want Kumar in here too. One of them's going to pan out. <laughs> I mean, it's a good point though, man. You know, you're one of those teams – you could easily say, man, we could use this guy and he could be up here in two years. Kumar's, Honestly, I, mean, I wouldn't want to waste many of Kumar's uh, bullets in the minor leagues. If dude, I could bring him up quick, I would want to bring him up quick. He's going to he's gonna start right where Lighter is. I mean, he's going to start in double. Yeah. I, I, I do think that's a good point. And I think there's going to be a team that probably jumps on him in the 20 to 30 range. It wouldn't be me is all I'm saying. I'll take him in the 30 to 40 range. All right. I'll say that St. Louis, Toronto, or Boston takes him 22 through 24. That's my, that's my gut. I like it. Reaction. Um, all right. Last thing for me, Imani Bates, the next Kevin Durant <laughs> who averaged like three points a game at Memphis is transferring into my conference, into the mid American conference Maction. Eastern Michigan has Noah Farrakhan, Instagram famous Noah Farrakhan, and Imani Bates, the next Kevin Durant. So that team should have great chemistry, work hard, and, and I think they're a dark horse Cinderella team for uh, the Final Four. I think so. Yeah. I like it. I like there we go. It. <laughs> All right. That's it for me. Um, happy fourth, everybody. If you're listening to this on the fourth, if you're listening to this to, on the fifth, I uh, hope you enjoyed the fourth and uh, yeah. we will be back with you tomorrow. Ish. No, I thought we we're taking the day off or uh, we'll be back with you Wednesday. Sorry. I might, I might dude. there's, there's a non-zero chance. I hop on the mic and just, just record, you know, just what? spout, spout <laughs> bullshit. You remember TNDO take no days off. No. You never did. You never said that. No, I never said that. Really? I'm not TNDO, a douchebag. Take no days off. 
Well, you know, gas prices are going high. We just got to grind harder. Yeah, TNDO. Maybe we should record, actually. Maybe we should take it all back and record them. I'll record a solo episode. I'll just talk about Christian Javier's fastball and how he struck out 27 hitters and walked one over his last – or what what was it? Is it 27 hitters over his last, like, 11 innings? starts, yeah. Or last 14 innings. Something disgusting. I tweeted it. It's gross. He's insane. Maybe I'll just talk about him for, like, an hour. That works. And then I'll, I'll add in post-production. You send it to me. I'll, I'll post it up. I'll add in my, my power ranking, like best acronyms. So TNDO. And then, and then um, Darren Ravel just pulling out cards. That'd be good. All right, cool. <laughs> Happy 4th, everybody. See you guys.